Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is October 5th, 2021. This is the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein. Back once back. again. I'm back. Welcome back. Welcome Thank back. Thank you. Thank you. Of course, joined by Alfred Kanawa and NYC Demon Diva Issa. Here to talk about NXT 2.0. This was episode four of NXT 2.0. I missed two and three. I felt so out of the loop tonight. People have been drafted to the main roster. It's a whole new NXT 2.0. It's NXT yeah. 2.1. It's a new game. But... The yeah. Tony D'Angelo era, the Tony D'Angelo era yep. has begun tonight as Tony D'Angelo made his entering debut. And just uh, fair warning, folks, that's going to be like 50% of the show tonight. It's just Tony D'Angelo. I talk. mean, what else will we talk about? Honestly, we oh, might change so the podcast much. to the Tony D'Angelo podcast featuring NXT. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> seriously. I mean, we are Tony D'Angelo's favorite NXT post show. Confirmed. I think hey, we got we- over. We got him like his first thousand followers on Twitter. So, you know, everybody now loves Tony D'Angelo. I'm like, we loved him first. I love your tweet, Alfred, because I was like, come on. It was love at first sight for us. Yeah, we were on that bandwagon first. Yep. Yeah. And although some competition, who who was that? uh, I missed the first moment. Who was that poker playing gentleman tonight? Because that's a gimmick and a half. I think that was the first time we ever seen him. Yeah. Wow. Definitely a, a debut. I wonder if he's going yeah. to come out to the rings with cards like Gambit or something. It's going to be very exciting. <laughs> well, if the cards could light on fire, then he's on to something. I think he'll get over it. Oh, my God. But uh, there's no name for uh, – uh, no, no, it's actually Duke. It was Duke Hudson who was doing the poker thing. Yeah, it was actually Duke Hudson. Uh, oh, was it? Playing with his I'm telling you, there's, too many, there's too many yeah. new people. Too many yeah. new people in NXT. I can't keep track of them. Yeah, it was definitely that, Duke. That is crazy. I mean, we're going to talk about this, but, I mean, gimmick and a half they are back to with everything like yeah you know we need a sanitation worker uh we need people in you know different professions to come in to nxt yeah uh, why not why not let's go (laughs) gimmick heavy so um let's uh let's start with the news Let's start with news and Raw viewership, which was up. It looks like the WWE Draft Night 2 delivered for Raw as it did 1.857 million. That is up almost 9% from last week, which is 1.709. First hour, 1.949, which is a pretty big number. And then it went down to 1.9 for the second hour, so kind of sustained. And third hour, 1.721, which is more than they did for all of Raw last week. Of course, Raw went head-to-head with the Raiders on Monday Night Football, which is a hallmark NFL team in a competitive game against the Chargers, which are a good team. Uh, so this is, uh, all things considered, uh, a pretty big win for WWE Raw on Night 2, the WWE Draft, as, you know, I don't think that they've gotten the most out of this draft in terms of something that they've created for must-see television. Like, uh, I didn't think that the way that they've run it the past couple of nights has been like a draw or something that I had to tune into, but it looks like it still does carry some weight in terms of a show that people feel like they need to watch. Yeah, I mean, hopefully this is the beginning of a whole new Monday Night Raw era and momentum. I do think they got the stronger end of this um, draft. Hopefully they know what to do with this talent because there's a possibility of a lot of really good feuds that could really start happening on Monday Night Raw with the roster that they now have. So we'll see what happens. I mean, they it seems like a lot of NXT call-ups, a shocking amount of NXT call-ups, and not necessarily the most obvious ones, some that were rather yeah. quite early. 
Yes. Yeah. Especially with him, bro. I mean, in terms of Swerve Scott being the champion, the NXT North American champion, which it already looks like they're angling to take that away from Swerve Scott next week with him against uh, Santos Escobar. So he's immediately going to be called up. And Hero's really been there for what, a couple of months? Yeah, but a high point of the show. I mean, and I think that's part of it. It seems like if you take away too much talent that's over and an anchor on the show, uh, we're then left with more more of a developmental feel. And that, that was the main thing that struck me tonight. It's like, man, really feeling back to its developmental roots if they're going to get rid of the more polished, or not get rid of, but call up the more polished talent. Right. And another thing is, I think that... Um they kind of missed uh, the ball in terms of drafting uh, WWE main roster people to NXT. Yeah. Uh, because if you see what the viewership has done, it really fell off a cliff last week. And I think that this show, it's good that they announced a TV special because that's one thing I think that it was really missing is something to build toward. People aren't going to stick around and watch if they don't know what it's building toward. So that's good. But I really think that they could have taken some of these main roster people that they're not doing anything with. And there's a lot of them and put them on NXT. All those stuff that they're really crapping on Jeff Hardy, put him in NXT. If you're going to disrespect Jeff Hardy, put him in NXT, which is another way to disrespect him, but at least that's a way that's going to really help NXT and be a draw toward that brand because that's what it needs if you're going to do this veterans putting young guys over. Not only does it serve the young guys in getting over big names, but it's also going to help stabilize those ratings because it's a really scary number that they did last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's the problem. No, Developmental doesn't work if you don't have more polished talent to bring people up to their level. Absolutely. Exactly. And just for those of you to keep in the loop, I believe the Yankees are still down four Shut up. to one. Shut up. So, you know, it sucks. We don't talk about uh, it. We don't talk about it. Oh, come on. Come hopefully, on. Glenn coming back on this podcast is not the only comeback we see tonight. Hopefully, the Yankees are able to come back and rally against the hated Red Sox, who uh, Gary Cole <laughs> gave up an early home run as he's wanted to do this season against the Red Sox at Fenway. Uh, but uh, let's go, Yankees. Let's pull it together. Hopefully, they uh, come back. WWE reportedly mixed plans for the Street Profits as uh, they were, according to PW Insider, considering splitting up Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins. Of course, you saw Montez Ford go against Roman Reigns. Ford has received some high marks for his work in singles competition, but uh, it looked like they uh, dodged the bullet in terms of potentially being split up. Uh, Issa, would you have agreed with this decision to split up the Street Profits? I mean, I think Montez Ford is a single star waiting to be made. Unfortunately, I think that would have hurt Dawkins because I don't know where they would have gone with him. So I think until maybe they're ready to push him by himself, they should probably stay as the Street Profits. Also, the tag team division is a mess because you don't have a lot of legitimate tag teams. You just have a lot of makeshift single stars that came together. And the Street Profits, the Usos, and the Viking Raiders are probably the last of the group that feels like and the New Day, obviously, the New Day. Um, last, last of the group that feels like real, legit tag teams, but you cannot have two tag team championships on two different brands with just four teams. So, of course, you, I, I think the best choice is to keep them together. Montez has time to shine as a single star, and you can even push him by himself while he's still with docking. So I don't see the need to break him up right now. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be tough, right? Because I think Montez is going to get a huge push out of this. And I don't know. I mean, I think Angelo's worked really well in the group. I worry about his future. I worry he might be the Genetti of the Street Profits. Well, yeah, if we're going to do that dynamic, it's definitely how, if you look at how they're pushed, you know, Montez is definitely the alpha of that. Uh, Angelo's kind of like the the elder statesman. Is, he's been in that WWE system forever it's good to see him shine with the street profits and i really do hope they have something for him because he does have a lot of charisma and he can talk and he can be somebody who uh could you know at the very least be a good hand and and maybe go on another tag team work with somebody else and putting them over but um you know we'll get into this later he's the type of person i would have liked to see with kyle o'reilly because kyle o'reilly doesn't need any help being uncharismatic but they put him with von wagner and those two i mean <laughs> good god uh, but we'll get into that later uh so you know it's good that they didn't split up the street profits i do think that would have been premature i do think that yeah. montez ford is getting closer and closer to being ready for a singles run but not just yet especially because it just came to raw yep agreed 
one more story yeah. on Raw. This is a wild story in terms. I don't know if you guys caught this, but Corey Graves, while commentating for Dana Brooke in this match against well, Dana Brooke, very hard to ignore, just buried Dana Brooke, uh, is saying that essentially she shouldn't be in WWE. She's Jesus. been here forever. She's been on Raw and SmackDown for years and hasn't done anything. He said, at some point, you got to cut your losses. He said that, yeah, so you can get the tools yeah. for your house because you can give me all the tools you want, but it doesn't mean I can build a house. And this guy just went ham on Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke responded today on Instagram story, which is how you know it's real. Whenever somebody takes the Instagram story where it's going to delete in and out in a day, they know that this might not be a work, which I don't think it is at all. Just listening to just, you know, how Corey's kind of seemed to go into business for himself doing this. And she called him a clown saying, you're the clown. I'm the queen. Keep pushing. Uh, watch me work. Uh, what do you guys make of this uh, segment? Because this did become a viral situation on Twitter. A lot of our loyal uh, follower and faithful on Wrestling Inc. have weighed in on this in the comments on this story. Uh, Issa, did you see this? And, and what do you make of Corey Graves really kind of going in on Dana Brooke last night? I saw it and I, I felt bad because I felt like it got, like you said, it got a little too real, right? I was thinking before, like when they showed that Shayna Baszler was going to have a match and he went to commercial, I thought to myself, I was like, who the hell would take a match with Shayna Baszler right now? The way that she's been acting, unless you need some TV time. And then they show Dana Brooke and I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense, you know, but I wouldn't go as far as say everything that Corey Graves said. It was, it got, it, I don't know. I, I thought it was a little unnecessary. Um, I get it though. Like, Maybe it, it, it works in her advantage for her character on a rebuilding aspect of things. But, yeah, it was it felt a little unnecessary. We get that Dana Brooke hasn't done a lot of things. He could have easily said Mandy Rose abandoned her because she was on that tag team with Mandy Rose. But, no, he just absolutely acted like she's never done anything. And, I mean, she beat Bailey once, so come on. Oh, it was by accident, but she did beat Bailey. <laughs> Nobody could take that away from her. Exactly. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I don't know. I think, you know, Corey Graves is a, is a heel commentator, but it seems weird though, right? Because, I mean, they were both in NXT. They, they came up sort of around the same time before he stopped wrestling. She, I mean, she was in developmental with him. I don't know. It just seems weird. It seems like a weird shot to fire. Yeah, I would love to know the background information of, of whether this has been simmering. Is there something between Dana and Corey? Is there something between Dana and Carmella and Corey's just coming to the aid oh, of this yeah. woman? Is, was this a directive from Vince? You know, Vince is very instrumental in terms of the color commentators and what they say. Is this something that Vince did to get her fired up? Because you know that he does like that Machiavellian kind of pitting people against each other and, and, and motivating people in his own unique ways. So I just, this seemed to come out of left field and it did not seem like just Corey Graves at the end of what he was saying in his rant did kind of tie it into and then that's why Shayna Baszler is superior so he was kind of playing up the heel commentator but it definitely seemed like there was more to this because it seemed very personal what he was saying about Dana Brooke it felt awkward it got awkward it was at one point you're like okay he's been heel commentator but at one point you're like yo bro chill it's only Monday you know <laughs> And that's the thing about awkward. You're, that's a perfect word to describe that because the babyface commentators were trying to get their stuff in, and, and usually there's like a repartee. They no, say he something, wasn't letting but them. as soon as they started to fit, they tried to defend her. He's like, no, 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 no. This is what I'm saying. Like he. No, at one point crazy. he was talking by himself. Like yeah. they, they, they weren't even like trying to chime in. They were just like, you're, you're on your own on this one, bro. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. So, you know, hopefully, listen, this is, you're talking about Dana Brooke not being on TV. Uh, unfortunately, this is the most interesting that she's been in a while in terms of how they presented her. So maybe they can take this and make a real life story out of this because those are always the most interesting storylines. Maybe we do get a few between Dana Brooke and Carmella and something comes out of this. If this is an angle, this is the most beautifully played thing. You know, like if she goes on to, is she, is she in Queen of the Ring? She, because if she goes on to I win that, I don't even out the field. But uh, I, I'd whoa, like whoa, to think whoa, so. whoa, Glenn, Glenn, chill, chill. No, I'm serious. <laughs> it's the ultimate underdog story. Ultimate. Think about it. Come on, like, like I'm almost suspicious now that they're finally going to pull the trigger on her. Listen, if this is an angle from day one, because I can't give WWE credit for doing something this real. Like, usually if they're going to do a storyline like that, Corey Graves would have to have these pre-approved WWE things to say about her, and it would come off as really fake. But the fact that this incited such real-life, like, uh, animosity in terms of how Twitter reacted to it, 
if this is a day one feud that they're planning, like this is very creative and this is a very good way to make her interesting and make, you know, if they have plans for her, this is a way to get people involved in what she's going to be doing. This, this is the same company that used the COVID releases as a storyline for Drake Maverick Indeed. and his Cruiserweight well, Championship. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that, you're not lying. That, that, that is a conspiracy, but that, okay, I stand by the fact that this was real, that he was crying. He was not going into business by crying, and I just think that they took that and said, okay, let's make this into a storyline. Just like, I do think that he really maybe has his ill will toward Dana Brooke, and maybe they'll see that and say, let's make this into a storyline, or maybe they'll punish him, or who knows what's going to happen here. This this is the thing I saw being talked about most about Raw last night, so this tells yeah, you me too. drafts and main roster debuts. Hey, with yeah. Dana Brooke is the number one thing people are talking about, mm-hmm. maybe there's something Exactly, and, and, and Seth Rollins said shit, and we're still talking about Dana Brooke, yeah. so. Yeah. And, let, and let's, let's not bury the fact, Dana Brooke, first off, that front flip is the single most impressive entrance in all of professional wrestling. Like, yeah. I like that, how she incorporates that from her fitness competition. I really thought when they first had her there, and they obviously thought this too, that she was going to be a huge star because they put her with Charlotte immediately. And it's just another case of these too much too soon, them not having the right read on somebody from NXT. And her undoing was really part of them pushing her too soon, I think. And she seems like physically the strongest woman in WWE. If you just look pure physique... Uh, I mean, she looks like she can just start some shit and finish it. Yeah. 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 What else we got? Well, that's our news for today. Now we're going to okay. get right into NXT 2.0. Well, let's hit some uh, super chats first. And then uh, Rob Humphrey, $5. Tony D'Angelo's finisher has to be called the Gabba Guplex, right? <laughs> and when do we get the merch? <laughs> oh, I love it. Let's do it. So much, so much to talk about. Uh, King Rail, $5, saying, I really like all the gimmicks. Reminds me of the 90s WWF. I wish they took more risks like this in the main roster. Also, welcome to Vegas, Glenn. Thank you, King Rail. The Gobble Guplex should be a suplex, like a bridge suplex, where they throw somebody off of the bridge. Oh, I love that. (laughs) There's so much they can do. Oh, and like, I want to talk about this because I have critiques. I was delighted, but at the same time, like... They're, they're dropping the ball. Like, he wasn't keeping kayfabe in the ring and throughout the match. There should have been a lot of... I think he might have taken it back by how, how much this crowd responded to him. But I, yeah. I really don't have very many. They, uh, well, I'll have my own critiques. Yeah. <laughs> Scholar Justin Lopez 2.0, 4.99. In the middle of an intense Yankees-Red Sox playoff game, but could someone tell me why they turned my man Parker Bordeaux into Pinhead from Hellraiser? Oh, did they really? I, I heard they changed the look, but I, I haven't really seen it. What did it look like? Well, apparently, like well, Pinhead from Hellraiser. Did they shave his head? Like, is that? Oh God, I hope not. Gonna have to take a look at that. Okay, so Alfred tonight because I am on a laptop and it's a little tricky. Alfred is gonna drive with the uh, matches, and uh, you know, let's uh, let's power through this to get to Tony D'Angelo, which is everybody, what everyone wants to talk about. Power through this. Let's get to these appetizers, and and then we'll yes. get to the main course of Tony D'Angelo. The first appetizer was Ember Moon. Oh God, I just saw him. Rose, and uh, it kicked <laughs> off uh, with the match between these two women, Mandy Rose, clearly being positioned as uh, kind of a top star of this new brand of NXT, and also for the third week in a row, highest viewed segment, Toxic Attraction. So WWE is clearly, um, you know, I'm not saying that's the reason for it, but this is clearly something that's being positioned as like a main event type of uh, act. And I will say, as much as I do, you know, we've talked about Mandy Rose in, in terms of being impressed and how much she overachieves in the ring. I was very disappointed with this match. Uh, I think it got a little sloppy. There were a couple of scary spots in terms of they had a powerbomb spot on the apron that it looked pretty painful. Uh, but Mandy Rose with new gear uh, looked very impressive in the package, did come off like a star, and she did defeat uh, Ember Mood as she's being positioned to be the number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship, Issa. Um, yeah, I appreciated the change of look um, when it comes to incorporating a change of gear, the change of the hair now to come into Toxic Attractions. She feels completely different than she did in the main roster, so I really have to give her props for that. I did think that she had improved immensely in the ring up to tonight. I think there was a little bit of a disconnection or maybe a lack of chemistry between her and Ember Moon yeah. because I just did not like this match at all. Um, I really did think Ember Moon was going to get one of the people that will get drafted into the main roster again. So I was very surprised that she didn't end up going to the main roster. That being said, um, I, I think Toxic Attraction is something is going to be something huge. I just want them to 
I don't know, maybe look at Mandy Rose in the ring and play off her strengths and not her weaknesses because she just didn't look impressive. And I know that she can wrestle so much better than what she did tonight. But as a character here and later on, as we will get to, I thought Mandy Rose did great tonight. Yeah, this was good. Um, it's tough, right? Because I really liked uh, Gigi Dolan and uh, it was JC that's with uh, as well. I, yeah, I think that they've got a lot of potential. Um, they've both been had great introductions. It's it's tough. It's the same problem the Riot Squad had, you know, or uh, what was the one, other one? Absolution. I'm already forgetting yes. the name. Um, like you don't. Nobody wants to be. Uh, no one wants to to you know be the the other two Supremes. That's a timely <laughs> reference. Right. I like that. Uh, nobody wants to I be like uh, the, the, the girls in Destiny's Child that are not Michelle Williams or Beyonce. Nobody, well, I would say nobody wants to be Takeoff or Offset, but I think Offset's the best member of the Migos. Uh, I think he's going to be the biggest star, uh, even though Quavo's very good too, but I think Offset is the guy to watch in terms of them. Uh, him and Metro Boomin have great chemistry. It's just tough, though, because um, I think they, they got a really good look. This is clearly set up for Mandy. I think it would be great. I think it'll be great when this uh, faction breaks up. But at the same time, I, you know, they called it tonight. I could absolutely see them holding all the gold in the women's division. It just oh, yeah. I think Mandy's sense. getting that title. I, I, I have a fleeting feeling that they're putting that title on Mandy Rose. And they did tease to Glenn's point that Toxic Attraction wants to hold all the gold. So that's the thing. Yeah. That I think, I think they're going to eventually have all the titles out front. I do. Yeah. They, they keep saying it way too often and putting it in the back of your head. I think they're going to treat this like the Undisputed Era, like the women version of the Undisputed Era. So we shall see. Uh, what was next? Okay. Did you have something else, Glenn? I'm sorry. I cut you off there. No. I mean, you know, I, I could just go hammer these points in the ground. <laughs> okay. We got to get to this Tony D'Angelo. We right. got to get to Tony D'Angelo. Like, like, <laughs> you know, we know what the people are here for. That's exactly what they're here for. We get the backstage promo uh, from Hit Row. Uh, love these guys. They look at home at NXT, talking about getting drafted, uh, taking shots at uh, Santos Escobar and Legado del Fantasma. This is where we get the challenge for the NXT North American title. You guys think that uh, Swerve Scott's going to hold on to this title next week? Not, Not at all. Not no. at all. Do you think they're going to get watered down on the main roster compared to the way that we've seen them perform in NXT? Because I kind of, I, I mean, I want to hold my judgment until we actually see them on SmackDown, but I just have a bad feeling. I have a bad feeling about this. I mean, they had a cipher in the old NXT. Like, how much more real can you get than that? Like, there's right, no right. but to get watered down from what they were in NXT. So it's just how much yeah. will they get watered down? I really hope the only way they don't get watered down is if we add Naomi to the bloodline and we get hit row against the bloodline. Oh my god! Oh well, yes, you know, that could be that could be something. But uh, it could be something. It could be everything. <laughs> it could be all right. I would rather my own do her own thing, but uh, you know, not me. It just if I hear stories about like Vince Man loves a hit roll, they're screwed. If I hear stories right, about like, right. Vince loves you guys, then it's like, uh oh, <laughs> then he's gonna have them doing like uh, you know old school raps. Oh then yeah, start writing the raps for them and like, no. what are you sure, Scott? And I'm here to say, <laughs> Vince will say, now go out there and tell everyone that the roof is on fire, but we don't need no water. <laughs> oh my god, no. <laughs> Yeah, let's, not, let's not give him these ideas, guys. Uh, this might actually Yeah, happen. yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> we get, okay, this is one of my least favorite things on this show. Odyssey Jones versus L.A. Knight. Uh, Odyssey Jones, who's like 10 times the size of L.A. Knight, got laid out by L.A. Knight last week. Uh, but they had this match, uh, and L.A. Knight comes out victorious as um, L.A. Knight defeats Odyssey Jones, who, you know, this is kind of a theme of NXT in terms of them more established veterans going over the younger guys. But I do think that Odyssey Jones is somebody who they see something in and who is, you know, a very um, staggering presence and somebody who I think they are beating way too much. They're getting a little too comfortable beating a guy like this. And I do think a lot of his mystique comes with being uh, like unstoppable in terms of his size. And I don't think they're going with that. Yeah, I felt that tonight it was almost like RIP to a couple of pushes that I was like, you know, kind of like weirded out to see who ended up winning in some of these matches. Um, I didn't think that Odyssey Jones, based on his size and charisma, needed to win the breakout tournament. So I was okay with the decision that they made. I'm not okay with him now getting laid out every week like it's nothing. And granted that, yeah, Chase U came in and kind of like 
yes. did the whole like interruption thing or whatever. But it's still, it's it's just not a good look for all these youngs. And it's just like, where do you go from here? Like this is not the first time that we see him just get laid out or get beaten to a point where he just looks silly, even though he's a huge guy who should be just kicking everybody's asses right now. Yeah, and it, it looks like they're going to build to Odyssey Jones versus Chase uh, at Halloween Havoc, and Jones hopefully will get a win in that match. But yes, they did quote unquote protect him about that. But I just, you know, I, I'm not comfortable with him continuing to lose like that to, to a lot of guys who are like half his size because to a yeah. wrestling crowd watching this, they're going to be like, okay, well, then what, uh, what should I really be interested in when it comes to this guy? Yeah, and LA Knight, you know, it's surprising he didn't get drafted. Yep, it's, that's it's, another one I was shocked. It's going to put him in a weird role, though, because now, like, he's a de facto elder statesman of NXT. Yeah. yeah. Also, I think it's that, like, now we don't really have to take a look at people losing and assume they're going to the main roster, right? Because if they were going to the main roster, they would have been drafted on, on the draft. So I would assume that now this is going to be the NXT that we see for a little while. Do you guys agree? Yeah. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see if they keep the debuts coming, right? Because they have teased a few more things, but I don't know. I mean, it can't just constantly be new talent at right. some point. I mean, and that's, you know, we talked about this before, but that's how when NXT originally launched um, back in the day in the non-game show version, it was like that the first couple episodes. It was like every week it was some, it was just so many new people, Yeah, you know, it took a while to settle in. It just feels like sometimes they're trying to do too much in one show in NXT because it was at its best when they had different eras of NXT where you got the Bayley era, you had this era, that era. But this seems like they're trying to fit all these different eras into one show. And, you know, you're not going to get anybody over if you're just throwing this many new people out there. I mean, but I feel right. like changes in the air, and, you know, we'll talk about it, but I could absolutely see Braun Breaker beating Tommaso Ciampa at Halloween. Oh, yeah. That's, I think he should be favorite. If we're going to do odds in this, I think Braun Breaker should walk into that as a favorite based on the direction I think they're going in NXT. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of championship changes coming up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Halloween Havoc might be like the sea change event to where a lot of these veterans are winning right now, and it's a theme. But I think by Halloween Havoc, we start to see these new guys start to get over uh, in the ring, at least. Hopefully they do get over in the crowd to the level of a Tony D'Angelo, which we are almost there, Glenn. We're almost at Tony D'Angelo. Oh, First, we're going to talk about Mackenzie Mitchell, who's backstage with Cameron Grimes. So they have this thing with Cameron Grimes, very crowded. It's Trey Baxter, Cora Jade, and then Indy Hartwell is in there, Dexter Loomis. Um, we have Pete Dunn and Rich Holland come in there, and they're arguing about whether or not Cameron Grimes could get a lady. And Pete Dunn says he doesn't think any woman would come anywhere near uh, Cameron Grimes. So that argument leads to a match that they're going to have uh, later on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> about this interaction between uh, Pete Dunne and Cameron Grimes and the match that they had later on tonight. Cameron Grimes should be joining Toxic Attraction and coming out and saying, don't hate me because I'm beautiful, you know? <laughs> yeah, why Why did Pete Dunne have to be like that? The guy's just trying to find love. He didn't need to, like, cock block like that, you know? Yeah. yeah I think he's just being a heel. I don't know why he did that. <laughs> Pete uh, Dunne, a man who looks like he's scowling even when he's smiling. <laughs> he really he does. He really this does not true. know how to smile. This is true. No. <laughs> That's what I like about him. He just always looks angry. Like, he's the angriest man on earth. <laughs> he plays it up very well. It's it's very that look that's money, you know, in terms of how, how yeah. he looks and he's able to cultivate that. And then we get Carl. Uh, it should be like a gimmick, like the like the Joker. You know how the Joker like his illness was that the laughter on the last yes. Joker. So maybe Pete Dunne should have like a gimmick where being angry all the time is like an illness that he can't control. So oh, he's like good. telling you congratulations, I love you, but he's still like super angry. That would be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> no face paint though. I don't want any face paint on Pete right. Dunne. No, 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 no. Embody the Joker. Uh, get some stuff between Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner, which we'll get into. And then um, we get Ciampa um, saying, he announced that in Halloween Havoc, uh, he wants a, a challenger. Kind of issues an open challenge, and that's what brings out Braun Breaker. And Breaker answers the opening challenge. Says he's treated with Ciampa with respect since the day they walked the door. I uh, he heard he says he wants to fight somebody, and Breaker has the biggest balls in the locker room, which is such a Steiner line. Uh, so they're going back and forth, and it looks like we're getting Braun Breaker 
uh, versus Tommaso Ciampa at Halloween Havoc. Uh, unless Joe Gacy has something to say about it, but we'll get to that uh, later. So we already just said that uh, Braun Breaker is going to win this uh, champion. So you guys both see, do we see any scenario where Tommaso Ciampa wins this match? Guys, I forgot he was the NXT champion until yeah. he came out. Is that bad? And he just won it. I swear to you, when he came out, I was like, oh, yeah, Champa's the champion. Like, how bad is that? That's 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 definitely a sign that Champa's probably losing a Halloween Havoc. If you no, can remember, become, the guy that won it two weeks ago is the champion right now. He's become like the Daryl Hammond of NXT, where it's like, wait, you're still here? <laughs> right? <laughs> kind of what, like, uh, Keenan is, and that's a good way. It's like every season Saturday yeah. Night Live goes through. They still... Got Keenan still still out there doing it, making history. Longest tenured member of Saturday Night Live. Shout out to Keenan and Kel, by the way. Um, we go backstage. Uh, got a lot of backstage segments here. Uh, and this is Joe Gacy. Uh, my heart. <laughs> I know the most polarizing man in professional wrestling says, hey, "Listen, this is a contemporary thing because this just happened on Monday." Talking about social media crashing. He said one platform that didn't crash was him. He's a voice of a generation. Uh, Joe Gacy would later go on to uh, challenge Tommaso Ciampa to a match for the NXT Championship next week. Uh, do we give Joe Gacy that chance? And then when he did, uh, he had responded to Tommaso Ciampa saying that he has the biggest balls. And Joe Gacy said, ah, that's not really politically correct. You don't want to say balls. You're being very specific in that. Uh, what do you guys think about Joe Gacy and his chances to be NXT champion, oh. Issa? Yeah, Issa, you first on this. I got <laughs> Listen, I, I don't even know how to feel about this, right? I did pop for him bringing up the fact that the internet pr pretty much crashed yesterday. I thought that was a good way to start that promo, especially given his gimmick. Um but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this. I still have so many mixed feelings about him. And when we get into the match, I'll, I'll say more about it. Um, so I read about this last week. I didn't see it, but I read about right. the gimmick. Um, with Triple H out, like, is somebody letting Road Dog like, book what he thinks is hilarious? <laughs> because that's what this seems like. Right? <laughs> It, do, it does have a main roster tinge to it. It does seem like something that maybe Road Dogg or even Vince, like, you you know that that type of uh, far left, like, uh, quote-unquote woke left personality is a heel to Vince McMahon. But I will say that these people are heels to a lot of people. I, I do think that this is a realistic type gimmick. There are people out there who police the language that you're saying and say, well, you can't say that. I'm offended by this. I'm offended by that. Uh, and so this is a very realistic gimmick, and I will give them credit for building a character who's a heel of this generation, and I don't think it's over the top. I don't think it's like, oh, people don't get offended when you say balls. They do. They absolutely do. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a fine line, though. I don't know. I mean, because I, I, I agree. I mean, for, first and foremost, I agree there are people that take that can take anything and everything too far, and when you do so, you take away um, – the power to have real conversations about the things that should really, that are just wrong, that should not be said, that should not be discussed, that should not be framed or outdated sure. or outmoded. And I think that, right. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, it's professional wrestling. What the average person that watches NXT is like 50 years old. You know, yes. they uh, refuse to be vaccinated. Uh, you know, we probably can guess who a lot of them voted for. I mean, they probably are finding this hilarious. Probably. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, <laughs> it is pretty funny uh, in terms of how he plays this character. I just think it's a good heel. And I'm looking at this in terms of you're creating a bad sure. guy, somebody who you don't like. I think they're doing a good job creating somebody who people aren't going to like because he reminds – you. everybody has somebody in their life who's that. Sure. Even a friend or somebody they don't yeah. like. I have friends who are like this who are just these overly woke, like – go out of their way, get offended by everything. You know what I mean? And send you the articles in the text message group. Uh, so this is, there's something to this. They, they, they need to kind of refine the edges, but I do think there is something to this character. And WWE is clearly running with this mainstream press that he's been getting. And he yeah. did, this is what I don't like about it. Oh, no, go ahead, Isa. No, 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 I was just agreeing with you. I was going to say, this is what I don't like about him, is that he beat my guy, Ikemanjaro. Uh, Ikemanjaro, yeah. uh, jacket and all. So quick match, Gacy wins with a lariat uh defeating Ikaminjiro. so they are really kind of doing this build toward him versus Tommaso Ciampa um Joe Gacy and Tommaso Ciampa but this is, this is also weird too there was uh there was that wrestler in the Smoky Mountain territory that was doing like the ultra liberal thing like in 2016 remember 
Yeah. Like that got national press. So this does seem a little like See, oh, derivative. Juice Robinson. No, who was doing it? It was uh, something something liberal. Uh, I don't know. Look it up. I remember he had like Hillary Clinton all over his uh, gear. Yeah, uh, the progressive oh. liberal Daniel Hamsberger. Oh, okay. Was doing this like in 2016. That's part of it too. Like I agree with you, Alfred, but I think it's it does seem like kind of outdated. Like just now in 2021, they're making fun of this. Like, right? Yeah, they really should have been a little earlier because this has been going on for years, really. But um, maybe it, this is a better late than never situation. But yeah, it, it, they spent their own time doing this. And this is, I guess, where the Harlan comes out, uh, known as Parker Burrow. So I missed this because a very important Yankee game was on. So uh, I was not able to see this. But apparently he looked like the, the pinhead. Uh, so uh, apparently these are where the reactions are coming uh, from Parker Bordeaux, who a lot of people are comparing to Brock Lesnar. Uh, not anymore. Not with that new haircut he just got. <laughs> and we did miss a super chat uh, from hojo to go uh, who said uh, in the draft, Vince broke up three women's tag teams in the last three weeks. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's no women's tag team left. No. That's unfortunate. They've never cared about the division. Even when they had the women's tag teams, they just never did anything with them. Whenever they were defending them, they would lose. And it's just, uh, it's unfortunate what they've done with that division. Yeah. Yeah. Here's something that was also unfortunate. We get Corey Gage. He's about to face Virginia Ferry, uh, who's an enhancement talent. Uh, out comes Frankie Monet, drags Virginia Ferry out of there, beats her up, challenges Corey Jay, and then Frankie Monet loses this match. Like, what a loser. This is, I mean, you couldn't make her look worse for somebody who did not get drafted. So now I'm a little nervous for Frankie Monet because we were kind of assuming, yeah, maybe she's going to get called up. They beat her early. It seemed they wrapped her up. Uh, so maybe they didn't have anything else for her in NXT. And this is not a good night for Frankie Monet. No, this is the other questionable loss that I um, that I was mentioning earlier with Odyssey Young. Seeing Frankie Monet lose really made me scratch my head, and it was just in the direction that I thought they would go with Frankie Monet. Um, I get it, you know, toxic attraction is the new hot toy, but it's just like you could you could build secondary women storyline, and for a second there, I thought that. Well, I mean, you don't want Cora to win. It's her debut, and they were hyping her up as the youngest star, this and that, right? But I did think it felt like a power move from the Robert Stone brand to just pull this girl out and be like, no, get in there and start, you know, building up your wins again. But that's not what happened. And now she gets rolled up by a girl that is her first match. I don't know. I just, I didn't like this at all. Um, I think if it would have gone a different direction, then maybe I would have liked it more. But this 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 had me scratching my head. Same with Odyssey Youngs. These are the two pushes that I was like, wait, I thought both of these people were going somewhere in NXT. And now, I don't know where the, what they're doing with them. You know, I thought that, um, I thought they were going to pull what they did with Abaddon and AEW, that they were giving us the Cora Jade vignette, and then she was going to lose. Like, right, <laughs> squashed like the way that uh Abaddon's opponent had that like wonderful baby face intro, and that Abaddon really came out and destroyed her. Uh, but no, I mean, yeah, Frankie, I like, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. This has all been puzzling. Uh, Robert Stonebrand still going strong, Frankie, uh, can't catch a break. So, something just occurred to me back to this Gacy topic. Do you think part of the reason Vince is on board with this is that he's parodying what he thinks AEW is based on what people have told him about AEW trying to be like this ultra inclusive, more progressive. And Alfred, obviously you've had some very good criticisms, many of which I agree with about their failings in many departments, but when they launch, they really put that front and center and Vince thinks, Oh, that's, that's what this is getting over with. The people that want, you know, this uh, safe space wrestling. No, no, I don't think at all this has anything to do with AEW. I think this has to do with that segment of our culture that people like to call the woke left. And I like what you yeah. said, Glenn, in terms of my, what bothers me about people just framing it as a woke left is eventually anytime you have something that really is progressive to say in terms of certain people not being represented or whatever you want to say that appeals to that people are going to shout it down like, oh, you're just being woke. It's a woke left. But this is uh, WWE's criticism of cancel culture and of people who yeah, are yeah. getting a little more serious, the pronouns people. And, you know, listen, a lot of these are valid in terms of what people believe in and what people want to uh, advocate for. But it there is another side of that coin where people have gone a little bit too far in one direction in terms of getting people canceled, getting offended by this, offended by that, and more or less the Zillennials. This is Vince McMahon uh, making heels out of the Zillennial generation uh, that tends to be a little bit, uh, a lot more sensitive, really. 
Yeah, I agree. Especially the fact that it got all that press attention and they still stuck with it. Because at first I was like, oh, they're going to nix this. And the fact that they stuck with it goes to show you that there really is more of a cancel culture kind of thing, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, well, we get the, we're at almost time, ladies and gentlemen. We get a, a vignette from Tony D'Angelo. And it says, the three greatest words, four greatest words of the night uh, come on the screen. Tony D'Angelo up next. So we go to commercial and come back. It's Malik Blade versus the GOAT, Tony D'Angelo. Tony <laughs> D'Angelo goes out there, and let me tell you something. I'm not being ironic. These fans were going nuts for Tony D'Angelo. We're getting, let's go, Tony, let's go. We're getting Tony chance. These fans are all in the <clears> ironic <throat> nature of Tony D'Angelo, who ends up winning this match over Malik Blade uh, as week one of what should be the most legendary wrestling career ends as he wins with a twisting fisherman's buster for the win against Malik Blade. I love this. Uh, not a fan of him beating up on a brother like this, but I do love Tony D'Angelo in terms of how he's being received. And all seriousness, like, and all jokes aside, like, you know, it's very ironic and fun that we're having and us really getting him over. That, that, that is a true thing. I do think that we did. But I do like that these fans have leaned into the irony of the Tony D'Angelo character and seem like, you know, they're looking at this character, which may be a little rougher on the edges may not be the best character that they've seen in NXT history to them. It, he really is, but to them, they might think not think that. But they have now come <laughs> all the way with it after this podcast has really put them over. And I really do like the fact that uh, they really connected with them immediately. That we might be onto something with Tony D'Angelo. Yeah, I mean, what can be said, right? This was just such a moment. The intro vignette, his entrance to the ring. My criticism is that he was not Tony D'Angelo enough. We saw too much of Tony yeah. D'Angelo, the wrestler, and not enough of Tony D'Angelo, the character. This match went on far too long with actual wrestling. I know he can wrestle. I know he's a collegiate amateur wrestler, very gifted athlete. But I would have liked it if he would have done more time vamping, mugging for the crowd, maybe yeah. uh, using you know uh, just just broader expressions. I think and really. This match could have gone on for 10 minutes with a minute of wrestling and just the rest of the time, Tony D'Angelo grandstanding. And uh, dare I say it might have been match of the year had that been the case. I I will say, um, to Glenn's point, we did get the vignette before and we did get a little bit of interaction with him in Lash Legend later on. So we still did get a little bit of Tony D'Angelo, the entrance, the gear surpass expectations the wrestler the finisher though the one thing that i liked and alfred said this was like it wasn't like i i seen tony d'angelo almost sarcastically get over with the iwc right you go online you go on twitter and you see everybody starting to get behind this tony d'angelo train but it's almost like as a joke but i didn't know how it would translate in person and then hearing the crowd pop for tony d'angelo today just made me so happy because i was like yeah. okay it's not just us to see the ridiculousness behind it all right but um listen we we love tony d'angelo in this podcast and i gotta say and this is not something that happens to me with wrestling especially wwe wrestling often he surpassed my expectations i wish tony d'angelo would have started the game for the yankees tonight i wish tony d'angelo would have batted fourth for the yankees tonight like I, he would have beaten the red sox in one inning that's how good he is I completely agree. That's that's what the Yankees need right now is Tony D'Angelo. Uh, I hope he's on his way anybody. there. <laughs> and he can wrestle. He's going to save NXT. Yeah, he can go. He's, he's, he's a very capable wrestler. He looked very good in there. His gear was a little weird, but I do think they're playing up that kind of uh, street goon from uh, the mob character. He had this wife beater, and then he had the uh, athletic trainer pants. Uh, and this kind of irony, this sense of irony that this NXT crowd has, this is what made me fall in love with NXT to begin with when it first started back in 2014. And some of the characters that they really got behind, whether it was Blue Pants or, you know what I mean, like Adam Rose, yeah. they would just go all the way with these characters who you know wouldn't have a chance on the main roster. Uh, but Tony D'Angelo, them getting behind him was just more of that NXT sensibility. And I do think he's going to get over on the main roster uh, because, you know, if you're the GOAT, you get over everywhere. And Tony D'Angelo, in fact, is the goat and the 1000 percent we need a disclaimer tony d'angelo comes from a family of legitimate businessmen with ties to the sanitation shipping and construction yes. industries 100%. everything else is just hearsay 
Don't yes. listen to this. Just gossip. It's word on it's haters. And to the super chat we saw earlier, WWE will be stupid to not be printing Tony D'Angelo merch right now after the reaction he got tonight overall, not just online, but in the arena. They better start making some merch for him. Oh Nobody God, took my $100 bet that his first t-shirt's going to be in the Godfather font. <laughs> <laughs> they might, we might get it. I can't As wait. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm visiting the shop right now just to see. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, my God. But but this is part of the thing though, right? It's like NXT, if we're if we're to talk about how they could be different, how they can get over, it's like, yes, we want good wrestling, but that's what takeovers are for. That's what Halloween Havoc is for. Week in and week out, we want characters. I want stuff like that wedding. I want more vignettes. I want more promos. I want more face-off. I want more story. There was no reason to show everything he could do in the ring tonight. I think, you know, he should have had squash tonight. Again, a lot of vamping and mugging for the crowd, uh, just taking it up to to 11, then get him in a good feud, and then it's a takeover that we get him against another technical athlete, and we really see then, like, oh, my God, this guy's the complete package. Glenn, what Tony did tonight, that was that was a warm-up for him. You know when you go to the gym and you do your 10 minutes of stretching? You think you think we saw everything? That's, that was child's play. I know this man. That was nothing. That wasn't his finisher. That was his setup move that we saw tonight. Yeah. Wait till you see Tony D'Angelo go 60 minutes in an Iron Man match. Then we're going to see his whole array of offenses. You know, even then we're not going to see his whole array. I bet he's got 120 no, minutes of wrestling no, in him. Please. He's too please. smart. He comes from that kind of business. He's not going to show you everything he's got ever. I love it. And, and Issa was talking about this earlier. Uh, we did get a segment, Tony D'Angelo. And they are really making Last Legend into Wendy Williams. Somebody might be a big fan of Wendy Williams in NXT because she's doing the whole, I got the tea on this person. Child, wait until you hear me say, you know what I mean? Like she's, uh, the character of uh, Last Legend seems to be this talk show host who's going to just be gossiping about everybody's personal business. And the key is going to be she needs to get really messy with them. She needs to really get kind of personal if they're really going to go for that Wendy Williams type vibe. Maybe Corey Graves-like in and it looks like we're going to get an appearance from Tony D'Angelo on uh, the Lash Legend show, which, you know, I mean, what what could go wrong there? How can that not be entertaining? It's, a, it's the duo that I never thought I needed. But here it is. I think uh, the interview should be a, a remake of Easy E's No More Questions. And a lot of like, <laughs> uh, if you answer that on the grounds, I may incriminate myself. Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to do that. Well, oh my god <laughs> there's so much there's so much there there's so much to be done but and here's part of it is commentary okay and i gotta call this out because this is really weird right like the enzo comparisons even today like the fugazi you know uh, what barrett was saying on commentary like tony with the bada boom like like there's so much so tony even put that everyone says they're a real g a g till a real g walks in the room like that was enzo's opening promo his first right. NXT team like they're leaning so much into this where I, I almost worry that that's uh the like make it a little more original you know yeah, yeah. um i remember Issa, you were talking about like the duo nobody uh wants to see i believe you said or the duo everybody wants to see this is a duo that nobody wanted to see unfortunately in terms of may ying and boa it looks like nobody's going to be seeing them much more because may ying had a match with indy hartwell and she just lost clean. I mean, they had a segment early on where she was spooking Indy Hartwell and in comes Mei Ying. This is, what, her second or third match? And uh, she lost to Indy Hartwell. I think this is the beginning of the end of this character. And if it is, what a waste of my time this was in terms of them building this thing up for about a year. I think they were doing a good job in terms of making her into an intimidating presence as this character, the thousand-year-old woman sitting there in the throne. And now, ever since they've just revealed her as just this little woman who <laughs> I don't think the crowd was into this in terms of believing her beating up Indy Hartwell, because Indy Hartwell is very tall and this woman is very short. And when Indy's selling for her, these crowd is like, uh-uh, I don't know about this, man. And she lost uh, quite convincingly to Indy Hartwell, so unfortunately... Alfred, you think it was a waste of your time? What do you think it was to Mae Young? She's like a thousand years old, trying to (laughs) lose a thousand years in the making, and she just goes and loses clean to Indy Hartwell. It was a waste of her time. Your time was nothing compared to what she had to go through to get to this point, right? But this whole match was... (laughs) 
I felt weird about this from the beginning. Like the whole match started because they saw smoke backstage, so they opened the door. That they need to figure out if the place is on fire or not. And they got all upset because they interrupted him. He's like, no, yo, go do your fire play outside like the normal people do, not in some weird room backstage. And then listen, if if Mia if she showed up at my door. I probably will give her candy on Halloween and not be scared. I will probably think that she's a kid trick-or-treating and not an evil entity. So I think the second that they stood her up from that throne and have her wrestle a match, personally, in my opinion, she lost a lot of her aura. So, yeah, I mean, whatever. So, like, yeah, that'd be funny if she comes into Halloween and it's like, what are you supposed to be, a monster heel? Oh, that's adorable. Here's, here's some Jolly Rancher. candy. I give you the good guy. My first thought tonight was, you guys can turn the lights back down for certain matches. This is not a gimmick that works well under bright lights. We need right. some mood yeah. and atmosphere. Uh, second, if she's a thousand-year-old uh, entity, uh, like, is this like when a vampire Lestat joined a rock band? Like, ah, oh, you get bored after a while. I want to wrestle for a third-rate national wrestling promotion out of Florida. I think this is a good way to bide my time. You know? Here's another reference in terms of this. Uh, if you saw Ace Ventura, Pet Detective 2, it builds this scene where he goes to the final boss. And I, I posted a clip of this on Twitter when she debuts. There's this big guy. And then he turns around, and it's little Tommy Davidson in his back. And then he takes him out and he's like five feet tall and, and he's the final boss. And that's what I think of every time I see this. <laughs> and it's just so hard yeah. for me to take uh, Mei Ying seriously, unfortunately, how they presented this. Yep, agreed. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But I think tonight was the beginning of the end for uh, this gimmick. Unfortunately, it is. It was the beginning of the end for a lot of people, apparently. Yeah. I mean, right? <laughs> it feels uncertain. Like, if I've been there for a while, like, I'm thinking... Okay, what am I going to do to reinvent myself? You know, I mean, yeah. he done resign. One thousand percent, because the people that are going over right now are all of these new characters that we don't know and gimmick. So if I'm one of them, I'll be like, I better start researching some gimmick and get a really good one right now. Yeah. Well, it doesn't seem like the end for these people in the Diamond Mine because they did a segment with them, really putting over Ivy Nile, showing her with the Rock. She's a superstar on Titan Games, of course. Mm -hmm. The goats, the Creed brothers, uh, you know, and Malcolm Bivens has great taste. He said they are his favorite members of the Diamond Mine, and they're my favorite members of the Diamond Mine as well. So uh, we'll see what happens uh, with the Diamond Mine moving forward. And we get a backstage segment with Kyle O'Reilly, uh, and he's like ice in his shoulder. And so Kyle O'Reilly, the story they're telling is he's got trust issues. He can't trust anybody, you know. Um, Adam Cole turned on him and went to AEW. I can't trust him. He broke up with me and went to another wrestling company. And so Vaughn Wagner comes in and sits down next to Kyle Riley, and this is what he says. This is exactly how it's delivered. He says, like it or not, I'm the only person that has your back in NXT. And then he walks off. <laughs> These guys are going to be a thing. This is death. These two, I don't know what they I don't know what they're doing putting these two together, but I, I just think that WWE loves these odd couple tag teams. Nobody needs if you're going to put Kyle O'Reilly in a tag team, it should be with somebody who's the complete opposite, like a Cameron Grimes type or something. But uh, yeah. I don't know about this Vaughn Wagner thing. You guys already know how I feel about Kyle O'Reilly. It doesn't matter what you do with him, he still just doesn't do it for me. And this doesn't make any sense either. Why is he? I don't know. I feel like he's all over the place. Every week, he's like in a weird, different storyline. Now, the Diamond Mine video package, I liked it. That I was great. Mm -hmm. Although Malcolm Bivens should say that every member of the Diamond Mine is his favorite. Now, my favorite member, and my favorite member, and my favorite <laughs> member. That would be a good gimmick. Uh, I believe uh, I referred to also her as, as, what was it, the Tender Roni of the Diamond Mine. Tender Roni, like, you did call that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tonight, I felt like was the first time I've really seen the Stokely Hathaway, the Malcolm Bivens, that everyone is hyped. I yes. think that tonight was his best promo yeah. that he has done so far. Slowly but surely, he's coming to that character. And, you know, it's just them giving them more time and kind of gelling with this group because they really didn't know what to do it looked like with the Diamond Mine once they blew the roster up and got rid of all those guys in NXT. Diamond Mine was really affected by that because it was supposed to be a shooter stable with Arturo Huas and a couple other guys who got released. And now it's back to that, like a shooter stable, and they've got uh, the wrestlers there and Ivy now. And I think that it's coming into its own. I really like what they're doing here. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, Pete Dunne beat Cameron Grimes. So this is one of those rare matches where it's actually two established stars against each other, and it looks like they're doing something here. Uh, but Pete Dunne beat Cameron Grimes clean, which uh, is bad for Cameron Grimes, but, you know, good for Pete Dunne, who, uh, you know, it looks like they're in the future, maybe in the distant future, maybe not too far from now, he's going to be challenging for the NXT Championship. It appears uh, that way. Are you guys ready for a main event? Uh, yeah. We're getting a fatal four elimination match for the NXT Tag Titles. We get Brooks Jensen, Josh Briggs, Grizzled Young Veterans, Carmella Hayes, Trick Williams versus MSK. Um, I thought the crowd was – this is a good crowd. I thought they were too forgiving for this match because I did think it was a good match, but there are all these this is awesome chants. And I did think that it was a little clunky and it kind of slowed down whatever Briggs and Jensen were in there. Um, in in a bad way, but they did have a lot of good spots. MSK is always on and they're always really good. And so they were good in this match, but this was not my favorite MSK match. It might have been one of my least favorite MSK matches, but they did work hard and um, MSK ends up coming up with a win with the roll up. And it looks like they're going to be headed to MSK versus Imperium because they were attacked by Imperium after. And Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs are being the consummate baby faces, shaking hands after. And then when MSK was getting beat up, they run in there and chase off the mean heels. So uh, what did you guys think about this match? We'll start with Glenn. Um, I think that the men's tag division lacks strong characters compared to every other division in NXT. And that was my problem with this match tonight. I thought that all the competitors were very good. I thought the wrestling was very good, but there was no one that I was naturally like, oh, these are my favorite. These are the characters that I want to see hold the championship. I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. yeah, you're not you're not wrong, and I I will agree with you in the in the part of I wasn't familiar with MSK right, and, and when they won the titles, I really started paying attention to them, and I have enjoyed their matches. I didn't really necessarily enjoy this match tonight. I don't know if turning it into an elimination match was the smartest thing either, because they ended up doing that, you know, in the beginning of the show. Uh, I think MSK tries. And I felt like this was almost like the opening match where maybe there was a little bit of a lack of chemistry. There was just a couple of spots where it felt like a super fast pace and then it just like died down and then it would go back to that super fast pace. It it was a little bit off. That being said, I do think they're very, very behind MSK, obviously, but I'm with you, Alfred. It's not like they have built a team that I would say like, okay, these are going to be the guys that take the tag titles off of MSK. So maybe being predictable hurt it even though you know it was a title match on the main event and i wish some of those spots would have not slowed it down then maybe i will have a different feeling about the match but yeah i mean it's good to see that they are i I wish msk was a part of nxt when their tag team division was just a little bit stronger because right now they're holding a championship at a time where it's just like there's not I mean, especially because we know what the NXT tag division used to be. It's just nowhere near that at the moment. Yeah. But I'm glad they're behind them. They're young. They they do all these crazy moves. I mean, good for them. I think, um, like, Carmelo and Trick, I think they could have spent more time building the competitors and building yeah. the characters. Yes. And this, you know, I mean, but that, it's, it's, uh, to your point, Issa, I mean, yeah, you think about Enzo and Cash, Dash and Dawson, uh, American Alpha. I mean, um, yeah, why? Enzo, yeah. yeah, I know you said Enzo Cass. Yeah, yeah, Vaude Villains. <laughs> I mean, like, you think about all of the great characters we've had. I mean, even DIY, you know, uh, like just all the great characters we've had that have been very strong in the NXT tag division. And I think they really need to rebuild that. I feel like right yeah. now it's just full of a lot of like really gifted wrestlers, but we've talked about that. Like, I just, athletic, if I want athletic talent, I'll watch sports. Like, <laughs> You know, I want character. Great point, Glenn. The NXT men's tag division used to be lit. You, I haven't thought about yeah. the Bond villains in a while, but do you remember how over they were at their peak when they walked into NXT Brooklyn and that place oh, yeah. just went crazy for them when they had that very fun theme that everybody would clap to? That was a hot act. The NXT tag team division stole the show so many times where they weren't even the main event, but they would put on some matches that the rest of the show could not live up to it. And this is when NXT was at at its highest so yeah. yeah it doesn't feel that way right now but a lot of nxt doesn't feel that way right now so but I mean, it, yeah. it does in some of the other areas though and i feel like they're getting back to that i mean i feel like yeah. if something good is coming out of this it's that yeah it's like they're not trying to you know do the indie rific aew ring of honor style and they're trying to go back to characters but the tag division's like a little late to the party on that right yeah definitely 
So that's your show, NXT. Um, looks like they're really building up toward Halloween Havoc. I think it's very important because that was going to be my major criticism in terms of if we were to go on to this show and they hadn't announced some form of a pay-per-view or a Yeah, because we don't know when we're getting a takeover. So something yes. has to happen. Otherwise, yes. it's just NXT every week. It's not fun. Yeah, I agree with you. I was with you. I'm like, they better announce takeover or something at some point soon. Otherwise... Maybe that's why they're not building anybody up because they don't have yeah. a show to build up to. Yeah. What are you going to build up to? What are people going to get invested in? You can't just keep having these things and it's not going anywhere. So it's good that they have a direction. It's good that it seems like they know where they're going in terms of a world title match. And I do expect a title change. And hopefully they're going to be able to do these more and more. And I don't know if, if TakeOver is is dead or if they're not going to do TakeOver anymore. But I really do hope that they have some form of like a Sunday or Saturday pay-per-view that they, they could build toward. Because these are going to be very important in building interest in this product agree there you have it that was nxt ladies and gentlemen i'm back on the podcast i'll be back this friday we'll be talking about smackdown and rampage rampage is only one hour this friday right I don't yes. know before I was back to one hour <laughs> i was glad to miss those i was like i could not deal with like that's worse than watching Raw. <laughs> we had 11 hours in a row of wrestling that we did a couple weeks yeah, ago yeah try attending no, try attending the taping of it and then have to watch it too because oh. you have to cover it on the show. But listen, I appreciate it if we could go off the air before the Yankees game end because I do not want to cry live on. Yeah, it's getting away from me. <laughs> people that say like, oh, you're complaining, you're watching Faro's Wrestling, eat four pints of ice cream and you tell me if that was enjoyable. I'm pint four, you were just working through. <laughs> Probably halfway through pint two, you're regretting your decisions. Yeah. <laughs> I'm regretting my outfit right now. Yes. On that <laughs> note, folks, she's at NYC Demon Diva. That's Diva with the one. He is at This Is Nasty. I'm Macklin Rubenstein. We'll catch you back next time on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Have a great night, everyone. Take care. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.